Brian Bott is the owner and leader of Sports Advantage and Edge Baseball in Wisconsin. And Brian is one of the most impactful and influential performance coaches in our entire region in Wisconsin here. He has a background as a exercise in exercise science and is a certified performance coach. If you were to read Brian's background and his bio, you would see his many accomplishments working with athletes performing at the highest levels, and there's a long list of them. But as he joined us on Sport and the Growing Good, we focused less on those famous people than we did on the everyday leadership that Brian exhibits around his gym and in his business and in his work with his staff and with his athletes. He's got a long and distinguished track record of success. And so we talked about the relationships that undergird that success. Brian is focused on the relational domains of performance training for young people and for athletes of all ages. So how do those relationships play out? What are his commitments around relationships? That was a big focus of our conversation. Brian also described the pillars of his program and how those pillars guide everything he does with his athletes and with his staff. One of the biggest takeaways I had from the discussion was Brian's example that he shared of honesty in working with young people. He talked about one of his former coaches from growing up, how he first witnessed that lesson, experienced that lesson of honesty in coaching and how important that is. And in this way, Brian's discussion of honesty in coaching and in leadership, it really echoes some of the other great coaches we've spoken with over the last couple of years. It needs to be a bedrock of our work as leaders, even though it may be difficult at times to communicate difficult things to athletes and families and others we're working with. So it was really great to have Brian join us. I appreciate him taking the time out of his super busy schedule. He operates multiple locations all around the region and is doing really good things. So Brian, thank you so much for joining us on Sport and the Growing Good. Um, you know, Pete, I've been, I've been very lucky um, as an athlete and as a coach, um, I've been touched by in, in incredible uh, people throughout my life. I mean, starting at a young age, um, you know, playing youth sports, you know, the probably the most, you know, I'll, I'll go over a couple of different people, probably the most influential person in my athletic and competitive life is my father. Um, you know, the lessons that I learned on a day to day basis from him, the type of man that he is, um, his work ethic his family first mentality. Um, you know, I, I couldn't have had a better leader growing up, a better friend growing up than, than my father. There's no question about that. Um, you know, he held me accountable, um, showed me what discipline was like, um, how to take ownership. You know, all the things that are pillars in my business today are based off my relationship with my father. Um, but if I had to pick a couple coaches that have been really influential, and I don't, you know, there's so many of them, I don't want to leave them out. Um, but I think the first one was, was coach Shelton, John Shelton, uh, at, at, at Alaska and, and more so, um, about what hard work was all about 
and and making sure you outwork to everybody and doing the little things and, and things like that. So from a sports perspective, it was it was probably Coach Shelton. Uh, we developed a, a quality relationship, a very honest relationship, which is really missing in today's you know athletics between coaches and players. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, athletes take things too personally. Uh, I think coaches sometimes are afraid to speak honestly to athletes in fear of them either quitting or, or, or losing, you know, belief in them, which is unfortunate because, you know, we as coaches, we, we speak honestly because we want what's best for the athletes, you know, and, and John was very competitive and uh, really brought, you know, that out of me, you know, more, you know, kind of built off of what I had learned from my father. Um, so I think, you know, my competitiveness and my drive and, you know, just kind of the grit that I have as a person and as an athlete, you know, I learned a lot of that from Coach Shelton when I played basketball in Alaska. We were state champs, and, you know, so obviously it all turned out and worked out well. Um, as far as, you know, professionally, there's there's no question that Dean Matchy is, you know, uh, from a coaching standpoint, um, someone who makes me better on a day-to-day basis. You know, he is uh, the strength and conditioning coach at Kimberly High School. You know, I run my podcast with him, the Get Your Edge podcast. Um, but Dean and I talk, you know, Pete, probably almost every day. And, and it's not even almost anymore. We talk every day. And sometimes it's motivational. You know, sometimes it's, you know, poking the bear a little bit at each other. You know what I mean? Type of thing. Like, you know, I'll send him a message at five in the morning. If he doesn't respond in a half hour, I'm like, it must be nice to sleep in today. You know, and, you know, he'll message me on, on Sunday morning when I usually sleep in. And he's like, I'm working today. We're getting better over here, you know. And, um but we also share a lot of knowledge, a lot of information, uh, a lot of things on culture um, and things like that. And he makes me a better coach and he makes me a better person. And I, I feel like I do that for him. Um, and you need people like that as, as a coach, you know, people you can trust, um, you know, people that can tell you, you know, uh, things maybe that you need to do better. Um, people that keep you in check, so to speak, uh, from a positive standpoint and not because you know, not because he's trying to outdo me, but because he wants me to be better. Um, and that's a genuine relationship. And you don't find many people like that, even in your life. You know what I mean? And so I'm really lucky that probably, you know, the most one of the most influential people in my life is not only one of my friends, but also a colleague of mine. You know, and so I think I found a, a really good situation with that. Can I circle back to Coach Shelton and relating to honesty? Did he have certain tricks about being honest? That sounds silly to ask. No. But sometimes it's no. very difficult to be no. honest with the with the young person as it relates to sport. No, it was. I mean, it was a. You know, the obviously sports has changed a lot. You know, in the last 20, 30 years, he was in your face, um, tell you exactly what he thought. Um, you know, if we weren't um, competing at the level he expected. Um, he let us know about it. Um, you know, there were, I'll never forget um, my senior year. Uh, we were, you know, one of the top ranked division two teams in the, in the state, as well as, you know, Holman, which was also a top ranked team. We lost to them twice during the regular season. Um, the second time we lost to them was, uh, I think we lost by one point. And then, you know, that, that was on a Tuesday night, that following Thursday, we played lacrosse Logan and, and, you know, we got the brake speed off us pretty, pretty bad. Um, and, you know, in that locker room, you know, he said, we're moving practice to Viterbo. 
Uh, we moved to Viterbo for three days. And um, if you want to talk about the most honest and reality check that you could get for 72 hours as a high school kid, uh, we got it. You know, uh, nothing was at the level that it needed to be. Um, you know, we had a couple kids that were um, borderline ready to quit. Um, and so he knew exactly where the edge was with us. You know, he knew us well enough to know that he could push us. Um, and, you know, we ended up, it was different back then, Pete, because we didn't have seating like they do have now. You know, so out of the gate, we played home in the first game of regional, you know, on a Tuesday night. Um, so you had two of the best five teams really in division two playing each other game one, you know, and we ended up winning that game. Uh, we ended up, uh, you know, going forward and obviously winning a state championship. Um, but you know, that was one of the moments where John knew his players so well, um, that he, he could push you to the brink, you know what I mean? And know that where that level was, of uh, getting the most out of, you know, his players. That last thing you said about knowing players so well, and I don't want to jump ahead too far to later things, but knowing players today, there is a generational difference in terms of how we how we talk to kids and and um, ability to be blunt, ability to be honest. Um, so the context of honesty, when you, if if a kid has, you know. Um, parents leaning over the shoulder saying you should be getting the ball more. You have your, you know, personal trainer telling you that you have there, a lot of people are surrounding you telling you one thing and then coach is entering into that context to have that conversation. Right. Um, did he consider those things back then or was it a generational time? Like what, would what he did then work now? Um, I think it would, you know what I mean? I, I think it would. I think, you know, I think there's a false sense, Pete, with with people um, that we, we live in a society where there's a lot of blaming that goes on. Right. Everybody wants to blame other people. You know, we call BCD blame, complain, defend or blame, complain and defend. Yeah. Um, where everybody wants to blame everybody else and not take ownership, you know, um, and, and I know, um, you know, people don't like sometimes when you're honest with them and that's okay as a coach our job isn't to be our players friends you know what i mean our job is to develop a relationship of trust and being honest with your athletes develops that trust i i had a discussion with some of our athletes yesterday in our one key location what i saw wasn't good enough um for what i expect you know and what my logo represents um and i let them know that and you know and they responded you know, and I think, and, and I, I was able to do that because the kids that were in there, I knew would respond. I knew the type of kids, you know, and so I think it comes down to building relationships, you know, and, you know, mom and dad need to hear this. Your kid isn't always going to be the best. You know, you got to hope that he's not the best. I, I, I always wanted someone else to be in there with Cameron or Jaden or Carson that pushed them, you know what I mean, to be better than, than what they were. Um, you know, your kid always isn't going to take the last shot. Your kid isn't always, you know, uh, the person that's going to get the ball at the end of the game. Um, accepting your role as a team player and accepting your role as an athlete is very important. And um, I think coaches, you know, in today's day and age need to do a better job of, of, of being honest and sharing what the roles of each kid are. You know, um, 
and, and understanding that if you're out for a team sport at the end of the day, like if you're out for a high school football team, you know, as long as that scoreboard at the end of the night, you know, is one point more, or you put out the most effort you could, did the best you could, um, and you walk off the field feeling like you gave everything you could, that's what athletics is all about, learning how to maximize, you know, I think Nick Saban said it best, your, your capability gap. You know what I mean? I mean, what are you capable of? How close are you getting to what you're capable of? Everybody's different. You know, I'm, I'm a different type of athlete than my kids were, you know? So how, how close are they getting to that? How close are they getting to it in the classroom? You know, that's not talked about as much. You know what I mean? Uh, so many kids struggle in the classroom. Are you capable of getting all B's or all C's? Then you should be getting that. Not all kids are capable of getting all A's. You know, and we have to realize that we have to encourage them to get as close to their, you know, their, their top end that they can. Brian, it's amazing to read about the impact that you have had over so many young people, hundreds of them, probably thousands over the years in different settings, in college settings, in um, not, now with your thriving business, it's all, all over the place. I wonder about principles do you have certain guiding principles in the work that you do and, and in two specific ways i'd ask you about that one with as it comes with you as a coach and your staff working with athletes are there certain principles at play and then two are those same principles at play when you work with your staff so one you as coach working with athletes two you as um kind of an executive or leader working with your business Sure. Um, the nice thing about that is they're the same, you know what I mean? Um, you know, our, our, our mission statement or what, whatever you want to call it is how you do anything is how you do everything, you know, because it applies to everything you do in your life. Um, you know, are you going to be the person that if you see a piece of garbage in the park on the ground, you're going to just pick it up and throw it away. You know, are you going to be the person that holds a door for, for someone, you know, at the, at the grocery store? Um, are you going to say, thank you? Are you going to say, you know, all the things that show gratitude, um, when you show up to class, are you going to be on time? Um, are you going to sit in your seat? Are you going to listen to the teacher? You're not going to be disruptive. When you go to train, are you going to do it as hard as you can? You know, and everybody's going to have off days, you know? Um, you know, we talk about winning the day and that's a big thing, you know, you're not going to win every day, you know, but, but the intent to win the day has to be there, um, you know, and things like that. And then, you know, for us, you know, we have three cultural pillars in our, in our program that we talk to with our athletes. And I expect out of my staff. And the first is consistency. You know, I want a parent to walk in and, you know, and see that, you know, what they expect to see, you know, so our cultural pillars are basically, what does it look like? You know, it should be consistency. You know, our coaches giving the same consistent messages on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, uh, when I talk about consistency, one of the things we do with all of our athletes, we talk about things they can control. You know, they can control if they get eight to nine hours of sleep. They can control if they're hydrated. They can control if they're getting breakfast. They can control um, if they're getting a pre-workout or a post-workout meal. And then they can control their screen time. You know, that's one of the things that we've gone to that our parents love because we know kids are going to be on their phones. We know that they're going to be on there. But how can you use the screen time as a competitive advantage? So that's something from a consistency standpoint um that we talk about um so what does it look like consistency you know what does it act like um is the next kind of question that we want to talk about with our culture and it's relentless effort and i expect that out of my staff um i you know my staff expects that out of me and we expect that out of our athletes so every time you come in you're going to give us all, you know as much as you can 
Um, and my staff knows this. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big 110%. Give me 110%. I think that's, I, I think that's fake. I don't think you can, because if you can give me 110%, you know, which is more than what you can give at some point, you're going to have to give that back. So if you generated some superpower to give more than you can, at some point that superpower is going to go away and you're going to give less. And the last thing we want is for you to give more at one point and then to give less when it really counts. So 100%, 100% of the time, that's attention to detail, um, that's effort, that's all the different things that we talk about. So, um, and then what is it, so what does it look like? What does it feel like? And then what does it act like? Um, and that's love and ownership. You know, my, my staff knows I love them. I love their families. Um, I would do anything for their families. Um, their families come first um, in any scenario. Um, there, we have a non-negotiable. If there's a family emergency, you're gone. You're, you're with your family and we, we have to shut the gyms down. We shut the gyms down. You know, if we don't have coverage, um, that's non-negotiable. Um, and we have that with our, with our athletes and our parents know that our parents, you know, and it's a message I send to my staff, you know, almost on a weekly basis is that we have to remember that parents are dropping off their most prized possession you know, at, at our facility and, and trusting us with them. And so, you know, we have families that, you know, make a lot of money. We have some families that don't make a lot of money, but their children are still their most prized possession, you know, and so they're trusting us. And then ownership is the second part of that. Um, we talk to our athletes, you own your results. You know, if you give relentless effort, if you're consistent, you're going to have better results. Um, if you're cutting corners, if you're skipping reps, you know, though you're, you know, you take ownership in that. That's who you are, you know, and it's the same thing with my staff. You know, if the, if the weight room is not picked up, um, if it's not set up the way it's supposed to be, if you don't really know what the run is supposed to look like, how the warm up is supposed to go for the day, you take ownership in that because everybody should know all the basic things. And so consistency, relentless effort and love and ownership. That, that's what our culture is, you know, and, um, I would think if you ask my staff, they would all share that. And I would think a lot of our kids would share that. And so, you know, culture is a buzz, buzzword, obviously. And, you know, culture is not on the wall. It's the action in, in your facility. It's the action with your team. Brian, especially at college levels and professional levels, the, the role of the strength and conditioning coach is one is so present in the lives of the athletes and maybe more than any other role for, for a lot of young people. It's the, the person that they spend more time with that they're with um, in a variety of settings, not just in the weight room, but, you know, on road trips and everywhere. And um, that's within a system. So like you're the university's strength coach, um, but there's also this increasing this industry that you're you're knee deep in now, which is kind of sitting outside of of a university or sitting outside of um, school districts in many cases. Although I know you're also working with in partnership within school districts. Um, and my question about this relates to communication, which is now you have these young people who have who you know so well through these relationships and through your work with them. You know you know, their personalities, you know, their families, you know, their bodies, what, you know, you know their, the history of their development at, physically. Um, ha, have you found certain ways of communication with the other important people in these young people's lives um, to present themselves 
In other words, uh, let me just give, ask one example. You have a young high school athlete who's you've been working with for a few years sure. and you know, this young, young woman or young man really well. Is there a, a, an attempt to have some sort of communication or relationship with the other important adults in, in his or her life, like the high school coach? Absolutely. Um, I think you have to, I mean, in today's day and age, um, you know, one of the things I did when I was a younger, you know, I guess, I don't guess young, younger entrepreneur or whatever you want to call what, what I do now is, um, you know, and this, this belief hasn't changed, um, Pete, and I don't want to come off arrogant, but I, I feel like we do it the best. I, I feel our systems are the best for what we do, um, because we put a lot of time in, um, and I, and I would expect other people that are in my scenario to say the same thing. Because you have to have confidence in, in your systems. You have to have confidence in, in how you work, you know, with your athletes. Um, the thing I think we've gone to doing um, that I think a lot of coaches appreciate is how can we help you? Not your kids should be with us instead of at your school. You know, how can we help you? What, what can we provide in our gym settings and with our trainers that maybe you can't do at your high school? Not everybody has a scenario where they have an indoor turf field or a 10,000 square foot weight room or certified, you know, educated people on their staff, you know, and, you know, we, we work with a, ga a wide gamut of different programs, you know, from one of the biggest schools, you know, in our state to, you know, some of the smaller schools in our state and everywhere in between. And so our focus is always, how can we help, you know, the programs and how can we help the athletes? Um, and I think when you approach it like that, um, it softens that conversation because, you know, and most coaches, you know, this is my program, these are my kids, things like that. Nobody wants to let out, you know, outsiders in the program, which I understand. Um, you know, we had that scenario at Wisconsin, right? I mean, you have college kids that are seeking other people for advice and, and things like that. So, you know, being right up front and honest and, and just saying, hey, how can we help you? Hey, you know, I know there are some high school coaches this summer. I was like, hey, you know, so-and-so is here. You know, I want to make sure that um, that we're not doubling up on stuff or, or doing the same things. And so when coaches start to understand that you really care about their kids, uh, first and foremost, um, those conversations are a lot easier. Because then you start to form a common bond. You, you want what's best for the athlete that you're discussing. Um, and I think if we as coaches, and I, you know, I, I call trainers, performance coaches, um, we're all this in the same boat. We're all leading young people. If we can come to the agreement that what we're doing is to help these young people have success, whether it's on the field, in the classroom, in their personal life, however it is, those conversations are a lot easier to do. Once we start you know, worrying about, you know, if I'm going to get credit for their success or if you're going to get credit for their success, um, that's when those conversations become really hard, you know. And as a coach, we all have an ego. Um, I'm not going to say I don't have an ego because I do I have a very strong ego um, because I believe, you know, what we've built and what we do is very good, you know, but we've worked for that. You know, it hasn't come just, you know, I wasn't just the guy that trained Russell Wilson, you know, when I was at Wisconsin, all of a sudden I'm just sitting back, kicking back. No, every day I have to prove myself and my staff has to prove themselves to parents, to other coaches, to administrators, all those things. And so by, by viewing it as an athlete first, you know, student first, 
Um, how can we help them first? I think those those conversations go really well. I mean, I have no problem calling a coach and saying, hey, just so you know, I have, you know, so-and-so here. Um, this is what I'm seeing. Is there anything else I can I can do to help, you know, type of thing? I'm going to try to find my way to this next question, but it, it, I might bumble through it a little bit. Which This is, one was a little long. <laughs> which, which, is, which is this. Um, and it relates to this idea of kids having this network that they're coming in with, you know, that, yeah. that, that um, things are, there's more at our disposal now, which is good. Like it's good that kids can go to you and get stronger, more flexible, more healthy, faster, all of these things. It's a good thing. It's, it's a good thing that a young person can get help uh, with mental health to get sound of mind um, at, at, in and beyond competition. It's a good thing that a young person can um, really pay direct attention to nutrition, um, to creating videos of themselves to post on. Well, I don't know whether that's good or not, but, but where I'm getting at is that there's now. Depends on the context. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's so much with each kid. And sometimes I want to ask you, I'm going to make my, I'm going to state my opinion. I want you to react to it. Um, I think that sometimes the game itself, whatever game it is for some kids, they can be at jeopardy of losing that. In other words, and so I want to share a, a counter example, which would be Jamal Crawford, the, the former famous the M NBA basketball player who was this guy who had this great career over many years in the NBA. And, and this is not a position I'm arguing for, but he never, his workout regimen was playing basketball. That's it. He played basketball and he, he didn't do all the drill and skill. Like that's another thing. Like so many kids have these personalized skill coaches in every sport, whether it's baseball, soccer, basketball, you know, get you to do these dribbling things for 20 minutes. And then you shoot 2000 jump shots and, so you, so you develop these kids who are specialized in these skills or specializing in all these areas, but they can't play the game. They don't know how to play the game. How do we find the sweet spot of doing all of these things that are absolutely good for kids, but not losing the love of the game and the ability to play the game? Man, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, you know, I, I really believe, you know, these are, these are all beneficial things. You know, first and foremost, I mean, like you said, you have people that are able to give kids extra work in, in different things. I believe what we do, you know, keeps kids on the court in the field and the, you know, in the pool longer, you know, from an injury prevention standpoint. Um, I think where the main issue falls is we start these kids so young in chasing a division one college dream or a pro sports dream, which like I, I, I may be different than a lot of people. Like I'm a, I'm a heavy goal setter. So I set goals for myself that may, people may be like, that's not, you, you aren't going to get that. Well, yeah, I, I don't want to sit here and, 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 you know, I want something that's going to challenge me, you know? Um, but I think what we have is everyone chasing these dreams, you know, this, this division one, I've got to be a division one athlete. Um, and they lose sight, like you said, of, you know, when they're 12, you know, and enjoying the, the, the time that they're having with their friends. You know, high school athletics for me was I, I would never go back and, and do it any other way. Like, those are the best days of my life. And, 
and, and what you have with AAU and what you have with other things is, you know, now you have kids that are divided. Some kids really like high school sports. Some kids would rather play AAU. And, you know, if you find your niche, you find your niche and that's great. You know, and I'm not advocating one is bad, one is not. Um, but I think you also, you know, when you look back at, you know, when I grew up, you know, the, the way to develop yourself was to play, was, was to play wiffle ball, was to play one-on-one in your garage or in your driveway, was to get a group of, of 10 guys and play, you know, touch football on the street. That's how you got better. You know, now, we, you know, we've obviously become smarter as a society where we're like, okay, well, I can, you know, develop kids in life. That, that's a way that I can, you know, whether it's provide for my family that way or, or do whatever. So I think, the, the first thing that really needs to happen, Pete, is finding quality versus what's, you know, Instagram quality. And what I mean by quality are who's, if I'm going to invest money in someone doing this for my kid, what are their qualifications? Who else have they helped along the way? What are their values versus wow, that's a really cool drill I saw on YouTube. That guy's doing, you know, guys doing cartwheels and doing goofy stuff. You know, so, so one, you have to associate what's really benefit, going to be beneficial to your kid and what's not. Because if it's beneficial to them um, and the kids are seeing results, they're going to enjoy playing more because they're better and, and they're going to be able to compete at a higher level. Um, and, and parents, I think sometimes, and coaches can take that love away from the players. You know what I mean? By pushing all this recruiting on them and, and pushing, you know, them to do things that they don't want to do. I always tell our parents and our, we do free evaluations for any kid. And, you know, one of the questions I always get is how do you know when they're ready? And I'm like, they'll tell you when they're ready. You know what I mean? If you bring them a couple of times and then, and then all of a sudden they don't want to go, they're not ready. If they're asking to come back, Hey, when am I going to go again? They're ready. They're ready to take that step. You know what I mean? Um, and sometimes we overload the kids with too much. You know, um, we got to make sure that they have times to just be a kid, you know, and, and, and do the things that, that kids do. Um, I think one of the things that, that we talk about, you know, with our athletes to make sure that they understand that, that, that playing the game and competing in the game is kind of like the end result. You know, so we talk about being process driven. Uh, or yeah, process driven results focused. Um, and so just really focusing, I'm sorry, process focused, results driven. Sorry, it's backwards. Um, so focus on your process. What's your process? You have to define that. You know, I think you've heard this probably a lot. You know, uh, focus on your process, focus on your process, focus on your process. Well, if you don't define what the process is for your child or what the process is for your athletes, you're just sending the same words to them. So there's got to be something results, you know, based at the end of the thing where, okay, I'm going to work with this personal trainer for six weeks on dribbling, ball handling two times a week. What is the end game for me? You know, what, what am I trying to get out of it? You know? And so associating those conversations is important. Um, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, with our baseball program, you know, we encourage our parents to go and hit with the kids in, in the batting cages. We give them a certain amount of, of cage rental time. And my message to our dads or our moms that throw is go hit and, and have fun. You know, one of the best things I did as a kid is we used to make everything like a game. Like when we would play, it'd be like, a, you know, 
I would play my next door neighbor, Mike Norris. And we can still remember, we talked, he's still one of my best friends. We still talk about it. Like I would hit the Cubs lineup, you know, with Bob Dernier and Leon Durham and Ryan Sandberg. He would hit the Brewers lineup with Robin Yount and Paul Monterey. You had to hit, you know, right-handed or left-handed based on what we both got better by doing it. You know what I mean? By playing and, and things like that. And so, um, you know, it's, it's really hard to, to associate taking some of that stuff away um, because kids are getting better and the, and the, 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 the level of play has, has gotten better. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> it's just, it's a hard, it's a hard situation right now because, uh, you know, there's so much for kids to do. You mentioned a couple of things that piqued my interest there. I mean, the one is the thing you just said about parents, getting parents out there to have fun with it. And it's so obvious that so often the same parents who are doing everything to seemingly give the kid the advantage they're driving them across town they're paying hundreds of or thousands of dollars they're taking them everywhere they're the they're the problem like what they're doing is they're squeezing the stress in the kid and they're squeezing the love out of the situation so this idea of having fun or providing some access to choice for the kid is so important that there's this research we use in the school of education that I use a lot in my work, which is like social capital research, meaning like social capital is like the relational benefits we have in our lives. And that there's very clear research that like human capital is built upon social capital. Like our, our human capital, our knowledge, our skills, our abilities, what we can do physically and cognitively is so much anchored in the relational aspect. And if we jump right to the physical part or the human capital without that social foundation, then it, it's not gonna work. And right. so, even, so even like that relationship you said with your friend, with your father, with parents in your program, these are positive relational things you're talking about that I know make you have greater possibilities in the physical dom domain with the kids. Right. I mean, building trust is everything, right? As, as a coach, as a leader, as a professor, you know, if, if your kids don't trust you, if your parents don't trust you, you're, you're going to run into problems at some point, you know, and, and coaches, we need to trust parents as well. We need to trust that, that, that they're doing, you know, um, the best they can uh, for their kids. And we need to trust the kids as well. We need to trust that the kids are doing, you know, um, what they need to do to be the, as good as they can. But, you know, you can never build trust without building a relationship, you know, and that takes time, it takes work. You know, I think people think that that just happens overnight. That takes years to develop quality relationships where you can, you know, that, that, that unwavering trust in each other, you know, happens, you know, and I, I know that we have that because we have a lot of our college kids message us asking us questions still you know, even when they're gone, you know, um, and so we're always there for the kids, um, you know, building off the trust we've already built with them. My last question for you, Brian, is how you have changed as a coach over the years. You, you've had this remarkable success and you, you just said great confidence in your work. Have there been times when you have said, wait a second, I need to adapt. I need to change. This isn't working. Can you give some examples of that? And how do you know when to adapt? Um, I think we're always adapting. You know, that, that's kind of my thing is that we're always, 
you know, um, good friends with Steve Jones, the Kimberly head football coach. And, you know, one of the things Steve's taught me is that you always want to be a moving target. You know what I mean? You, you never want someone to kind of pin you down um, on how you do things, you know, all the time. You always want to keep evolving and learning um, and, and improving yourself and your organization. Because once you stop striving to get better, um, that's when, you know, your business suffers. That's when you suffer as an athlete, you know, even as a parent, you know, always getting better as a parent and learning. Um, I can tell you, I learned exponentially <laughs> from my first child going through middle school and high school to my third child that I currently have right now, you know, and, and you have to take it and you have to process it because, if you're just like, like I said at the beginning, if you blame, complain, and defend other people, like you'll never look inward as to the things that you can do better to make the situation better. That's the same thing with, from a coaching standpoint. Um, you know, if I look back, you know, when I was at Wisconsin, you know, in 2010, 11, and 12, when I was in charge of the offensive line, quarterbacks, tight ends, um, whatnot, um, we had a ton of success. I mean, you know, Dozens of, of NFL players, um, three Rose Bowls, um, All-Americans, things like that. But when I look back at, at, at where I was as a coach then, there are so many things that I would tweak just a little bit to make it even better, you know. Um, and for a long time, I didn't believe it. I was like, oh, that's that's as good as I can get, you know what I mean? But um, And same thing with our business, you know. When I was confident and comfortable with the people that were with me, I knew it was, it was time to grow and expand and give them opportunities to, you know, expand and grow as well. Um, and so I think, you know, being able to adapt to, you know, all circumstances is very important. I look at what we went through last year, you know, what we went through as a country, what we went through, you know, small businesses, um, you know, that really challenged us um, to adapt and to keep pushing forward. You know, and there were, you know, there were, you know, some people that just kind of stopped and, and just, you know, took a step back and, you know, things like that. But, you know, I looked at it like, you know, I wanted to continue to provide for our athletes and our families any way we could. Um, and I think we had, you know, some growth out of it because we were there for them, you know, not because I was like capitalizing on whatever, but it was, you know, we were there for our families and we supported our families. We supported our kids. Um, and I think that that's always been one of the things that I've always believed in is that, you know, if you do right by others and you help others in this field that I'm in right now, and that's, you know, growth, development, performance, that, you know, everything else tends to take care of itself.